Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick, who are dedicated to helping manufacturers and distributors to enhance their competitive position and succeed in high-pressure trade environments. Visit them online at coneresnick.com. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts from. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. Welcome to the latest episode of Meet the Manufacturers. I am delighted to be speaking to Pete Hoffman, who is the president of Orange Research based in Milford, Connecticut. Orange Research are a world leader in differential pressure gauges, switches and transmitters. So let's dive in and learn more about the company and the applications of the products that they make. Pete, welcome to Meet the Manufacturers. Thanks for having me. How's that for a grand entrance, Pete? <laughs> that sounded great. You know? <laughs> it's like your Oscar nomination coming through. <laughs> <laughs> so let's kick this off, Pete. You are the president. Tell me a little bit about Orange Research and the products that you make. Orange Research was started by my, my grandfather. We're a third generation company. My grandfather started it back in 1963. Before then, he was working for Ashcroft. And, and the way the company really got started was a friend of his was tired of reading two pressure gauges across a filter application. So we went to my grandfather and said, I know you can make something better than this. So why don't, uh, why don't you see what you can do for me? So basically my grandfather would just work away in his basement or his barn. And he would basically work on the, as a side project until he kind of called it the, uh, the hobby that got out of control. And then <laughs> in which to the point he could start his own business and he proceeded to basically create Orange Research. And the name of the company itself is always something that people ask about because we're no longer in Orange, Connecticut, and we don't really research too much anymore, <laughs> um, at least not the way you think of other researchers. But the company was started in Orange, Connecticut, and he was researching differential pressure because when he first started, he did get quite a number of patents on the instrumentation that he did develop that basically was a single gauge to, re to replace two pressure gauges. So one differential to replace uh, two pressure gauges was the main concept that started the company. Oh, that's awesome. I was going to ask you about the company name, actually. So you've, uh, you've jumped the gun a bit there. So tell me about your customers. You know, what are the applications of the products that you make at Orange Research? So we have a wide base of industries because we can basically measure differential across most applications. And when you throw the, our flow package in there as well, you know, we're measuring flow or differential and those industries really, they started around filtration. And so you've got water, wastewater, chemical flow, you've got budget cryogenics, petrochemical, you know, oil and gas is a huge market for us as well really were an industrial flow meter that you know you wouldn't see in many commercial settings but we're on like a sprinkler system in a high-rise building to make sure that the pressure and flow rates um you know are, are accurate enough to, to to release the water in case something you know happens in a you know in a fire situation yeah. um as well as even on some like hvac systems you know in, in, the, in the dredges of the uh maintenance rooms of, of a lot of buildings as well 
So we're really all around the piping and the different kind of applications in which you would just be measuring flow rate or, or differential across those particular applications where it's necessary to make sure you have enough pressure or flow rate to make sure the application is functioning properly. Wow, you're pretty important. That's a pretty vital part of uh, of many, many companies, that's for sure. So tell me a little bit about yourself then, Pete. Did you always plan on working in the family business? It's always fantastic to hear about multi-generational companies here at Manufacture CT and on Meet the Manufacturers. Was it always the plan to work in the family business? Probably the exact opposite. I was going my own <laughs> way. Um, I went to Bryant College, now Bryant University, and I had an IT background. When I first came out, I took a little time for myself, but then I started working for Dell. I was more on the hardware server side of things, did that for a little while while living in Rhode Island. <clears throat> and to, to kind of cut my story short, things kind of fell apart altogether in many different facets. And so I decided to um, move back to Connecticut. Before this time, I had rejected my father's offer a couple of times to come work for him because I wanted to do my own thing. But uh -huh. um, when I found myself back in Connecticut, I just decided to take him up on his offer, figured it would be a couple of years stay until I figured out what else I wanted to do. And then about like, I would say probably four, maybe five years in was kind of where the change happened to me, where I said I could maybe see this as a future potential career path for me. That's when I went back to get my EMBA through uh, in business administration through, uh, you know, University of New Haven. And then after that is when my dad and I really, you know, started to sit down and, and talk about, you know, what it takes to run a business. And so I was working in production on the floor here, basically working from the ground up while I was also meeting with him monthly to just learn about how to run the company until I eventually moved from production into sales, sales into my EVP role, and then uh, president as of April of this year in 2021. Wow. Uh, it was supposed to be last year, but with everything going on, Paul kind of stayed on to help with all the, the P loan and help with a lot of the uh, you know COVID policies and stuff like that along with me as we're watching those things change weekly or even daily at some times during last year. So that just, you know, I was doing mostly operational, but he was kind of helping out with the, you know, uh, pandemic stuff. Uh, yeah, that, that I bet. Kind of us all off guard. So that, uh, <laughs> That's quite a time to take on a presidency right in the middle of a, a global <laughs> pandemic. Well done, you. Yeah. <laughs> You're living to yeah. tell the tale. So how many employees do you have working at the company? Currently we have 41 employees working for us. And that's all based at the, the site in Milford? Yeah, we've got uh, two buildings right next to each other. One's our main building where it's your office operations and your production area with inventory. Uh, and then we've got a CNC machine shop next door where our QC department and our CNC machines are. So we, we produce about, I'd say 50 to 60% of our own parts in our machine shop. And they're the larger, probably more cumbersome ones that had the longer lead times. So we wanted to restrict the longer lead times that we were getting from our suppliers, which is why that we started to machine our own parts and uh, we, we actually bought another company first that was a machine shop and then basically which was a job shop and then turned it into our main part suppliers what we did over the years that's amazing so you're the president what does your average day look like is there such a thing and uh, what are your roles and responsibilities on a daily basis well my average roles are, i mean the, the number one thing is just kind of being a visionary for the company trying to create and develop a direction for the company, where we're going to go, how are we going to uh, figure out the next steps in our evolution. Actually, at the end of 2019, our HR department was no longer. So I actually even took on some responsibilities of HR along with my controller. And again, nothing, nothing like a 
pandemic to increase the <laughs> amount of time you need to spend on HR. So that was also another reason why my father played a critical role helping the transition between us. But then I'm also doing a lot of things with the 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 ins and outs of the policies of, of the company, making sure everything kind of gets updated. There's been a lot of changes in the last couple of years that we're constantly taking a look at. I also still have a small role in sales. That's kind of where I was before I came here, where I was traveling outside, meeting with customers, uh, you know, working on new accounts. And I still uh, hold on to some of that to an extent to really help grow the company the best I can. But then other than that, it's it's really trying to change some of our internal paperwork stuff more digital, I'm trying to move the company more in a digital mindset forward to eliminate some of the paperwork, increase some of the efficiency of the company. Biggest initiative in the digital sense that I've been taking on is that we are um, installing a new ERP in our company that has been a major role uh, basically since I took over as president. So that started that effort started this year before I officially became president and we're closing in on, you know, the selection of it. So that's, uh, you know, at least a year and a half selection progress, and then it'll be multiple years after that. So that's fantastic. Great stuff. So talking about HR, I guess I want to learn a little bit more about your employees and what's your management culture like at the business and what's the employee culture like and the values within your business? How would you describe it? So we describe ourselves as a lean and continuous improvement culture. It started out more as a lean production philosophy, and then it really morphed into a culture within the company. And what I mean by that is that from the news person starting the door all the way up to myself, we expect continuous improvement ideas from everyone within the company. We like to frame it as to any employee coming in, you know, it's a way to make your job easier but on top of that, make the company more efficient and more productive. And that could be anything from, you know, getting rid of the multiple wastes that are in the company, the lean eight wastes, uh, as well as just making your job easier, faster, better, safer, more efficient. And so I think that, you know, we, we, we really like to encourage people to speak up from the first person in the, in the door to the highest person in the company, because if you're working that job eight hours a day, you're the person that, that that knows what kind of improvements need to be made. You know, it's not really a top-down managerial approach where you know we tell you what to do. We have to, you know, still that way in a sense of guiding people, but but really the improvement ideas should come from the people that are working the job every day. So that's what we like to say is our culture here is really a continuous improvement culture. Other than that, we have the managers who basically, you know, a, a senior management group who helps lead the uh, organization. Um, that's something my father set up years ago um, and was uh, was there to take over for him when, when he had a, a heart attack. So the company was still running without Paul to be here to lead it. And so I, you know, after seeing how important that was, I still keep the company structure in that way so that if I ever had to uh, step out for a period of time, the company could run without me being here with the multiple senior managers being able to handle those responsibilities. Really wise, super wise, good bit of succession management. So thinking about the educational aspect, shall we say, of your, your staff. Now, these podcasts, we usually use a member of senior management and basically somebody who is working on the shop floor and kind of get a different viewpoint of the business. So you've actually done all of those roles and many in between. <laughs> what skills or attributes do you look for in new recruits? You know, people, whether they're going to work on the floor or whether they're going to work in, you know, in a more administrative role, what skills and attributes are you looking for on people's resumes when they hit your desk? 
for us, we this is actually a philosophy I helped change throughout the company over the years, being in production for about a decade between my two positions back there. And what we're really looking for is the right mindset of a person that's going to fit within the company, especially at the entry-level position. I don't need someone that needs to have 5, 10, 15 years manufacturing experience. It's almost easier to bring someone into our system and train them with no experience at all. So for me, whether it's a sandwich artist or, you know, someone that's been in manufacturing for 10 years, I would almost prefer the latter because I think it's more fitting to our culture than, than really knowing what to do. Uh, we feel we can train most entry-level positions here with the processes we have set up in place. And also um, a sandwich artist, of course, can, can make <laughs> a really good lunch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, the office group, you know, those roles are continually changing. In, in a smaller business of only 42 people, everyone up in the office here wears multiple hats. And, you know, there's always the, the changing roles of trying to expand and increase our knowledge base, but also trying to, you know, kind of keep overhead down in a small company because that's always one of the highest costs that, that yeah. companies like ours incur. So we've got a lot of really multi-talented people who have, you know, taken on uh, multiple roles within the front office. So I would say someone that's adaptable, really wanting to work and just part of being a small work family, because that's what I've come to find that a company like ours can really offer someone. So you're not just working in a warehouse at like an Amazon where you're just another person where they expect you to do what they tell you. You know, here we really uh, value someone's opinion. You know, the average uh, tenure in our company is, is 18 years across those 42 people. And actually probably in the office, it's probably closer to like 21 or 22. So we've really developed a culture where I think when people get here, stay here and, and they like it, they'll stay throughout the rest of their career here. Because we do offer developmental opportunities when we're looking to promote, we always promote from within. So what I like to do is if there's someone who's got our product knowledge from the number of years that they've been here, or even just the, the company culture, I would rather you know spend money on employee development towards moving them somewhere else within the company than to hire from um, you know from outside. Uh, of course, unless that made sense to bring someone with a completely different skill set or core competency that we don't have into the company. But other than that, you know, a lot of the people that are in the office, the managerial positions now, started on the floor or somewhere lower down to begin with. They basically know the business inside out. Got it. So exactly. you are based in Milford. You have deep roots there in the Orange and Milford areas, of course. What are community, local community relations like? Do you get involved with local projects, local community projects? Yeah, we, we try and do as much as we can. So we've got a couple of simple things like clothing drive and food drives set up that we do all year round. We'll give out, um, you know, food to the Bethel Center down right in Milford Center. We do a clothing drive and, and based on um, different people's uh, opinions within the, sorry to say, employees' opinions within the company, we'll send that those clothes to different different people's needs, whether in Milford or, you know, close to maybe other people's hometowns, which are right around Milford. A lot of people are located, you know, within a town or two away from our company. Those are the main two community things that, that we do, but we also do outreach. I mean, I'm, I'm in contact with the Milford Chamber, you know, some inlets into the the, the community and we, we, we try and, uh, you know, participate as much as we can with any kind of activities that are around Milford and, and support those efforts including the United Way of Milford as well. We, we always have an annual event to uh, try and donate and give as much as we can to the local communities, whichever services need us. So it's brilliant, brilliant. And of course, being an active member of, of Manufacture CT. Now, we were at an event earlier this week, in fact, for Manufacture CT. And one of the key 
topics of that event was about pivoting and innovation and being able to really adjust with this pandemic. How has the pandemic affected your business? Have you seen an impact on the supply chain or perhaps an increase in the Buy American ethos? Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, the supply chain didn't hit us as hard as most to start. A lot of our products, I guess the supply chain forum, we've just been starting to get hit with them earlier, maybe like a couple months ago, where we're starting to get the lead times out a lot longer. We've been able to, to mitigate those lead times, but now it's starting to, to come to a point where, you know, lead times are out almost 24, 36 months. And that's just, just really hard to work around. So wow. that's definitely hit us and, and um, it won't affect too many things this year, but it's going to start affecting things probably quarter two of next year in terms of our production. By American, we've definitely seen some of that. We've gotten into a couple of um, our industries in which we can definitely see there is a increase in business nationally. We've gotten in with a couple of new suppliers uh, just in New York and, and over California who are definitely buying more in the U.S. than they were externally. Uh, and we're also seeing there's any opportunity for us to do maybe new products for other people looking to bring that things back into the U.S. So uh, there's always an ear out for that. I know that I am interested in bringing our machine shop maybe more into the 3D, you know, metal printing kind of scene. So that's something that I'm uh, researching, looking into right now. I know I'm going up to CCAT, talk to everyone up there who's, a, you know, a great organization and one that works with manufacturer CT as well. So I'm utilizing, you know, that connection to look at what the technology is like and really try and get a better grasp of, you know, how we can incorporate that into our business. So that's one way I'm looking at taking advantage of, of, of the new way of doing things. And then lastly, the pandemic really pushed us digitally, which was my goal when I was starting to come into my role was to really go more digital. Uh, before the pandemic, I was looking at a couple of positions where I thought to myself, how can the company become more flexible, more agile? And I identified maybe three or four positions that I thought could work from home on a constant basis, or at least part in the office, part out of the office, because our company has been almost an in, all in-person company from the time we started and it, it was a hard thing to start to break people's minds about until you were forced to have every office person basically out of the office so my yeah. my three to four person mindset really changed immediately to everyone that wasn't hands-on producing a part and so luckily that helped me my initiative forward a lot quicker when it was really forced upon us rather than being something I wanted to do. So really moving the company in more of a digital mindset was something that, again, I was focusing on and the pandemic helped with that in a way and created new best practices. Like I do, we do all of our interviews for, for new hires over Zoom now. And I think it's a lot more convenient. It definitely is easier to meet with multiple people over a longer period of time. And you're not really doing it in the same time frame you're doing it in before you, you 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 can streamline the process and really save time you know whereas time is a resource in our company is probably one of the most critical things that we are always looking to try and uh, make more efficient so moving our interviewing process from in person to digital on zoom or a conference call kind of setup really i think improved our process 100 percent. so it's interesting, isn't it? I've always been passionate about remote working and I always feel considerably more effective working from home. Have you seen improvements in productivity since implementing that or being forced to in a way, I guess, through the pandemic? I mean, there, there's definitely been a, an increase in productivity, but it's still a mindset that I'm fighting here at the company. You know, we've got a an older front office workforce. So some people have adopted to it fairly easily and I can see the 
the increased production from those people, but then there are other people in the company that they're, they're still have the mindset of being in person. So it's still a challenge I'm trying to overcome, but I think it's one that we can definitely overcome through a little bit more uh, use of remote work or ways to make, you know, again, the, we'll CI the process, we'll continually improve the process of, of, of remote working, uh, how we interact with that. And then if we don't have the proper tools, then we will, you know, get, get something in terms of software or, or a new phone system or something that will better accommodate the remote work situation, which I think, you know, we're very good at adapting to. So. Yeah. It's an evolution, isn't it? It's an evolution for many companies. So on a personal level, what three people or figures would you say have had the most impact on your life or your career? All right. Uh, I mean, obviously my father, number one, I mean, you, you have to get ask. family away. First of all, you have to, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like I mean, to thank my mom, my dad, <laughs> my sponsors. <laughs> de definitely my dad. Uh, he yeah. was a really influential person in my life for many aspects, just the way I saw him run the company to how he handled his visionary work to how he researched. I mean, and, and you know, he was, a president of the Milford Chamber. He was president of CT Manufacture for a couple of years in a row. Just, just very active, and and I could just see how well respected he was. So it was just very easy to look up to my father. And and we never had those horror stories of um, you know the family business with us. It just felt almost natural for us. And conversations about that have been really open and easy. So definitely, he's he's the number one person. Someone else that had an impact in my life was actually a man by the name of Ed Wilson, who worked here too. When I first came in, to be blatantly honest, you know, I was not the best employee. <laughs> you know, I'm someone who just come from doing my own thing, had come in thinking this was like a, a pit stop for me. He, he definitely tried to fire me once or twice. <laughs> and the only reason I stayed in the company is because of my last name. Um, it wasn't until... It wasn't until I got my stuff together, to lack of a better word, that uh, that really came around. And he gave me probably one of the most inspiring reviews I've ever had that really, you know, made me feel like I had, I had made the positive change in my life to to make this a proper direction in, in taking over the business. So that review really inspired me to do better. And Justin just listen to myself and, you know, take control of my ideas because they are a good one, just in a more organized way. So uh, when you're not working then, Pete, what do you like to do to relax, unwind? Are you into TV, sports? What hobbies yeah, do you have? Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, I got two girls. I got a three-year-old and a six-year-old. So you're a busy boy. You're yeah, a busy I'm boy. A, <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd like to try and spend whatever time with my wife as I can, but there's usually two girls attached to my legs, literally, as I am the, the daddy jungle gym, the first guy they come to to, to ask to do fun things, you know. So <laughs> they are a large portion of my home life. Other than that, I like to play hockey. Uh, I play ice hockey in a men's league uh, once a week. Definitely just try and get out as much as I can. Definitely like the outside. Definitely sit, you know, sit on my um, uh, computer with friends and, and talk through all the different, uh, you know, media apps these days. So it's an easy way to connect with people in, in the current situation. So mm -hmm. just got a bunch of friends who, who I do that with. That's enough to keep you busy for sure. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any predictions then? Uh, I want you to get your crystal ball out for me. Your predictions about the future of manufacturing and potentially, I guess, doing business in the state of Connecticut. What's your predictions? Definitely doing business in the state of Connecticut has never been easy. You know, things have been getting better over time, but there's a lot more that the state could do to help support us. That's one thing that, you know, that's why I try and get active in these kind of networking events and, and, and why I um, 
signed up for the C, uh, manufacturer CT legislative you know committee. I wanted to kind of be a part of that. Like like my father was back in the day. He went down to DC with I believe it was CBIA and those groups to talk for you know give, give a small voice to uh, small manufacturers. And and I'm hoping that's something I can follow in his footsteps with. But as far as, as, as where the future is going, you just got to keep up with, with the technology. You just got to see what you can do to evolve with the world rather than thinking that what you're doing is, is enough. If you're not trying to learn about something new or trying to innovate in a different way or bring a new technology to do things differently than the way you do it now, you're, you're going to fall behind. And unfortunately, the learning curve for that has, has escalated to a certain degree in which if you're not doing it every every year now, I feel at this point, or even less than that, you're falling behind somebody else or someone mm -hmm. else is taking advantage of that. So it's definitely become a very competitive climate. Uh, international business for sure is becoming, you know, higher quality so that you're, you're not just competing locally against other companies in the US, but there are companies now since everyone's interconnected that could pop up out of nowhere across the world and now you're competing against them. So the business climate is, is definitely tougher than it used to be. But as long as you're able to, I think, adapt, be a little bit agile and, and look to continue to improve yourselves, I think you will uh, you will do well in this world. Sounds good to me. So what do you imagine the next phase of your career is going to look like? Is there any particular areas of growth or, or opportunities, I guess? I mean, you spoke about digitalization, you spoke about remote working, but is there anything else that you are preparing for at the moment for the future? And what do you think the next phase of your presidency is going to look like? Considering I'm only about five to six months in, <laughs> I would still say I'm in the infancy of things. Uh, I probably took the first six months just to really organize myself in this new role. And I feel like I've come to a better spot there. But moving forward, like I said, I want to look into the newer technology like 3D metal printing, possibly opening the company up to, to different industries where we're not in too much right now which is, you know, aerospace is big within Connecticut. Maybe there's something we can do to supply some stuff to those companies. We're in semiconductor and that's an area that we're trying to expand ourselves into a little bit more. Um, I've also seen a lot of technologies about 3D printing has potentially affected those areas. So I'm trying to combine the two being an industry we want to get into more than we already are now, plus a new technology maybe you can apply to it. So those are probably the main two things we're, we're looking into and, and, and really just seeing what efficiencies we can bring from the new ERP. I mean, we're placing out an ERP from 1999 that we installed. So we don't even have one of these brand, you know, we've got one of these old DOS style ERPs. So I'm, I'm hoping that there's a lot of efficiency <laughs> there. That will, I haven't heard the us. word DOS for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's basically what it is. Uh, you got to type in caps to yeah. enter stuff into our current ERP. Uh, so it's it's that and maybe bringing ourselves more to an e-commerce. We've always done things through distributors and, and different people in that regard, but maybe bringing us more into an e-commerce level because that's that's something that's, you know, we're definitely way far behind on, but an area in which we can expand to hopefully with uh, the new technology. Absolutely. So come on then, Pete, if people want to carry on the conversation or find out more about you, your company, how can they reach out to you? Website, social media, LinkedIn. You can get me through the company website. The phone number's on there to call us. You, I'm usually available and you can get me direct through, through someone who answers the phone if it's not myself sometimes. You can also find me through LinkedIn. I'm on there, even though my profile probably isn't as up-to-date as it should be. Also, we just locked in an IG account name for Orange Research, but we haven't started loading the content yet. That's something we want to start to do and branch out on. Social media is another area we need to branch out on. 
those are the main ways you can get in touch with me. Do check out the website, orangeresearch.com, and you can reach out to Pete there. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on your new presidency. And maybe we should check in in, I don't know, a year's time to, to see how you're faring in the in the big seat. That sounds good. Thank you. And it was a pleasure being on here with you. Oh, thanks for your time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Meet the Manufacturers, brought to you by Manufacture CT. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT, or you would like to join the organisation, visit the website manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick, Advisory, Assurance, Tax. Visit their website coneresnick.com. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode and want to find out more about the vibrant and thriving manufacturing community in Connecticut, subscribe to and share this podcast today. Meet the Manufacturers is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify.